This is Content Academy. Yes, this is the Content Academy podcast. This is episode 59. And on today's show, we speak to Ian Cleary from Razor Social. We talk to Ian about how to create content that stands out in a competitive niche, the importance of building relationships, and how to promote your content without an audience. So let's get into today's show. Creating great content, finding an audience, building engagement, monetizing your blog. This is Content Academy. Yes, hello, and you're very welcome along to the Content Academy podcast. I'm Phil McGrath, joined as I am every week by Miss York Caffrey. Phil, what's up with it? Did you have a nice break? How was Christmas? Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good. Can't really complain. All quiet, really. Uh, didn't do a whole lot, which is the way I like it. Been kind of beavering away in the background, getting a bit of work ready for Content Academy in the uh, the new year. January's kicked off. Our 30-minute blogger series is up and running. And uh, we've got a great guest today. I suppose before we get into it um, and even tell you who it is, we should point out that it was recorded in December. So it was pre-Christmas this was done. Um, but still, nevertheless, we had some serious value dropped on us, Paul. Yeah, we certainly did. Uh, Ian Cleary from Razor Social came on the show. And if you're not familiar with him, he is an international speaker and uh, all around social uh, media expert who has consulted with some very large companies and and spoke uh, on many continents at this point. And really, it's refreshing. It's back to basics. It's talking about blogging and effective blogging and planning content and how to actually create content which will reach that audience. We're not just talking about how to write it. We're talking a little bit more about getting it out into the into the I suppose on the screens of users that we want to actually you know um, I suppose consume it in in some way, uh, shape, or form, whatever that could be. And there's, there's a whole load of nuggets all the way along. And even if you're starting out and you don't have a following. There is a great piece of advice as to how you can actually, you know, build a following very, very quickly. And I think that was probably the, one of the real nuggets that you'll, you'll get to take away out of the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Ian was an absolute gent for agreeing to come on the show. He is a top class guest. Um, he was ranked of the top 40 digital strategists in the world. Um, and he's one of the top 50 content marketers in the world. So plenty of insight to be gleaned from his years of experience. So we won't drone on too much. We'll hand it over to Ian and we'll chat to you at the end. This is Content Academy. Yes, so as I said, we have Ian Cleary on the line from Razor Social. Ian, so good of you to join us on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to speak with us. Uh, thanks for being here. No problem at all. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Delighted to be here. I suppose before we get into it, Ian, uh, you might just give our audience a bit of background on you for those those of them who may not be familiar with what you do. Sure, sure. Uh, I suppose initial background was working in technology. Then I drifted into social media training. Then I decided I want to do something international. So I started a blog about four years ago, mainly focused on social media tools. And I had this goal of becoming a speaker on social media internationally and uh, being part of the the, the group of top social media influencers. And I thought one of the best way of doing that would be to create content around a topic that wasn't covered enough uh, and wasn't focused on by other bloggers. So I focused on social media tools. Over time, I've sort of broadened that more into marketing tools and tech. Uh, but that sort of niche, it just helps you to stand out a bit online if you have your own niche. So with a background in technology and social media, it made sense to focus on the two. 
Yeah, it most certainly did. And those goals that you mentioned, uh, you've completely knocked them out of the park anyway. Um, I mean, some of your speaking speaking accomplishments are pretty impressive with social media marketing world, social media um, examiner as well. And you have a couple of keynotes coming up um, in 2017 as well. Social media camp of Victoria, I see on your speaking calendar as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the speaking and it's all part. I mean, it came from the blog. Well, it is a combination of the blog and, you know, traveling to U.S. and building the relationships. So it's a combination on and offline. Of course, you have to have good content. And I did put a lot of work and effort into the content to make sure it's good. And I think the vast majority of bloggers don't put an effort into the content. So they don't get the reach. They don't get the exposure. But if you do identify a good niche, you put a lot of effort into the content and then look at relationships and build relationships on a strategic level, well, then all sorts of opportunities open up, like the speaking events and stuff is is one area and, and business opportunities open up regularly just because of the blog. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's something we would have noticed over the years, of course. Um, we started out in the fantasy football niche, predominantly speaking about fantasy football. Yeah. And we managed to build a relationship with a couple of people in that industry and also within the likes of RTE, which then opened up doors to us with RTE, with the Irish Times and a number of other yeah. uh, business um, businesses uh, that we worked with subsequently. Content obviously is something you've touched on massively there. And I'm curious to know because I, I see your content going out the whole time. You produce mass quantities of content and it's good quality stuff. What kind of a process have you put in place into, for creating your content? Um, by that, I'm kind of looking for how far in advance do you plan out your content and kind of build it out? Yeah, I mean, now is a good time coming, you know, into 2017 where we're planning out our content. And we're looking at, you know, on a monthly basis, we've one one large strategic piece of content and we have that listed out what that content is. Now, that might adapt over time, but it, we will list it out. And then we're planning out the first three months of the content. And initially in the first three months, we'll just have one really good detailed post every week. Uh, but we'll have that all planned out. And by the end of December, we'll have the first month content written. I mean, the hard part is sort of sitting down today and go, oh, what will I write about? So the more planning you put in, the easier to guess and the less time it takes. So that's why we do, you know, generally like to plan the bigger piece of content for the year in advance. And then, you, you know, for three months go, OK, what's the other eight piece of content that we're going to create and have that listed out and scheduled that's really interesting that you you plan it out so much in advance. Um, how do you go about deciding what content that you're going to cover for the year and have that congruent with, I suppose, other goals that you might be looking to achieve? Is everything related? Yeah, I mean, so we do look at the categories of content within our site and that's our starting point. So, for example, as we've broadened, broadened out a bit from social media to marketing tech, one of our categories is marketing automation. So on a regular basis, we're going to do a marketing automation piece of content. So what we'll start to do is look at, uh, you know, marketing automation. We'll start reading up about marketing automation, start finding out what is the topics that people are really interested in. And we'll use different tools like we might use BuzzZumo, which will allow us to uh, put in keywords related to marketing automation and see what's the most shared content related to these topics. And then what we'll do is we start using tools like SEM Rush and look at competitors that are writing about marketing automation or in the marketing automation space. And SEM Rush will show us, well, what are the top 10 
keywords ranking for the competitor and we'll start picking out you know interesting keywords around different market marketing automation topics and then we'll we'll do things like we'll look at uh well keywfinder keywordfinder.com which will give us you know details how often the keywords are searched and how competitive the keywords are and based on a combination of all these factors we will then start creating content and our goal will always be to produce a better piece of content than, than it's out there you, you know for those keywords because it's so competitive you need to come up with a really good strong piece of content before you'll actually start beating your competitors and the results so there is a bit of work involved in the keyword research getting familiar with a couple of tools doing a bit of research but if you do that research up front you know you might spend a you know a day or two days doing research but then you've your content planned out for months and it's once you've got your content planned out it's much easier than to to create the content and, and get help creating the content if required this is Content Academy. Me and myself and Paul only sat down recently and we have our content for 2017 mapped out as well. It is makes a huge difference and especially when it comes to writing and I don't know if this is something that you, you'll subscribe to in but a lot of people we speak to and a lot of clients we've worked with they say they struggle with writer's block when in fact actually what they're struggling with is a lack of ideas. They, they tend to yeah. have writing time and idea time and everything in the one block. They'll literally sit down at the computer and decide, right, I'm going to write a blog post or produce a vlog today. What am I going to do it on? They sit there blank for five or 10 minutes and then kind of go, oh, I've got writer's block and walk away when it's actually just the planning that's let them down. It, it definitely is the planning side of things. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a, a writer. It's just, I mean, I... I write about tools, content, there's a lot of practical stuff, but uh, I don't get writer's block because, I mean, I need to feed my mind ideas all the time. I need to be always on the lookout. So when something, a good topic comes up or a good article, I'm jotting that down and keeping note of that so that when I'm sitting down planning out my content, I have lots of ideas. And then what I want to do is do some filtering to find the best ones and then start creating content but you're so right. The worst thing you can do is go, okay, I'm sitting down now. I need to write a piece of content. And you put yourself under pressure to come up with an idea. You don't know where to start. So the process starts a good bit before that where you're reading other people's content, you're reading tweets, you're seeing what's topical, you're following up on competitors, and then you're, you're creating a list. And a lot of that list you may never write, but at least you have a list to work on and then you can start picking out interesting topics from that list. Yeah, it's a great way of operating. And just I might pick your brains on, on a problem that we also see people having. And it's something I wrote about recently is that a lot of people will look at what's out there. And I know you've said about consuming other people's content and they look at that from the point of view and they see, say, content they want to produce and think, oh, well, it's already been done. Now, I know that that doesn't mean you can't produce it, but it seems to be a roadblock for some. Is there any advice you give to those people and ways they can approach that content and what they should be looking for when it comes to creating similar content? Yeah, I mean, if you see, uh, you, you know, there's a, a a recipe or something, a detailed recipe on how to cook something, you go, oh, I'd actually like to write that. Well, I'm going to write much more detailed or I may put it in video format or I may do an infographic for it. So there's always ways of coming up with you know, a different interpretation. First of all, your menu is going to be different. So it's always going to be a little bit unique. But then if you can present it in a different format, that makes a big difference. So, it, it, you know, it's you don't want just the same as what's out there. So you need to think of the, a different angle and a different way of presenting the data.
Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be your spin on the content, of course. Now, obviously, social media played a huge part in the start of your business, Ian, and that's predominantly, um, I suppose, what you're known for. So it would be remiss of us not to speak social with you. Um, a lot of our our, uh, our audience are starting out and a lot of people, when they see the, the, the common guides out there, which will say about promoting your content on social media, that obviously you should be posting on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and everywhere else and how often you should post and the kind of analytics that you should be analyzing. But one of the big feedbacks we get is that for people starting, they don't have anyone on these networks to promote to. So whilst they're pushing their content out on these networks, there's no one there to see it. So have you any advice for those people who maybe don't have any social media following at all and how they can begin to start promoting that content? Well, you know, a simple thing is when when you don't have an audience, you need to find people that do have an audience and involve them in your content. So if you start a brand new blog and you go, okay, I have no fans or no followers. So when I'm sharing this content out to social media, it's not going to go anywhere. Well, well, then what I will do is I'll go, okay, can we find influential people, you know, and get, get tips off them to include in it or do interviews like this and include in your post. And then what happens is when you publish it, well, then the influencers will typically share that out to their social media following. So that's how you get reach. Over time, they will start following, their followers will start following you. And over time, you will build that presence. So up until you've got a reasonable presence, you'll really struggle to get it out. So you have to either involve influencers in your content or pay to promote that content. So, you you know, you can do some Facebook ads or, or Twitter ads right, to promote that content. But if you can involve the influencers that already have the audience that you want to get access to, that will be a, a quick way of, of building your following and getting reach on your content. This is Content Academy. Fantastic. I love that. And I think you, you wrote a blog post about that, or you certainly updated a blog post. It was uh, achieve yeah. a thousand percent more shares on a blog post. It was a case study. So folks, we'll link to that in today's show notes for you to get a look at. I think that goes into a bit more detail about what you were just saying there, Ian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you mentioned a point there about updating old blog posts. I, I do this regularly. So if I have a older piece of content that's like a year and a half old and it's a good piece of content but needs to be updated, I won't create a new post. I will just update that post and republish it. So don't forget about the older content because it's quite easy to update the older content as opposed to creating new content. And people, if it's posted a year and a half ago, most of your followers have never seen it. And even the followers have seen it, you're going to update it and make it more relevant. So it's still a valuable piece of content. Yeah, that's a great tip. Actually, that just takes a question right out of my mouth. And I was going to ask you on the fact that you update your posts. So thanks very much for proactively sharing that. No worries. Um, I, I suppose another question is around imagery uh, and how important is imagery to the content that you use on both on the site and in social these days? Yeah, I mean, the we're, we, I mean, we, it's much easier to process imagery. And if you want to attract attention on social media channels, you need to have imagery or video. I mean, video gets higher priority than imagery, you know, in terms of reach, but uh, video, picture imagery is still extremely important. And from a blog post point of view, the key is, you know, people won't read big chunks of text. So you end up with short paragraphs, bullet points, and images is a great way of breaking up that content to provide nice visual images and those images get shared a lot. So 
a lot of images we have, like we've done some infographics where, you know, we created them two years ago and they're still shared every day on Pinterest. So the images are, are can be extremely useful. So I definitely have to have an image strategy as part of your blog and social media presence. I actually read a, an interesting article recently that was kind of suggesting that every 750 words should have an image within a blog post. Do you have something like that in a style guide that you subscribe to or is it just what feels right to each article? Yeah, I, I don't have that. But I mean, I, I mean, I definitely 750 words is a lot without having an, an image. So I if I I'd probably have at least a couple of images within the 750 words and I'd have short paragraphs and bullet points. So I think just one image for 750 words is, is just not isn't enough. Oh, there you go, folks. More than more images, the better within reason, of course. Um. There was a couple of other things I picked up on there that I'd like to pick your brain on if I can. Sure. And going into 2017, we, we've spoke about, um, you know, video. How important do you think getting in front of the camera for your social presence and also to promote your content is going to be for people? Yeah, I mean, some people are uncomfortable getting in front of the camera themselves, but I think it's really important to have a video strategy you may not be the person in front of the camera. Of course, it's great if you are, but a lot of people are just not good on camera and they may come across really boring and uninteresting. So don't go out in front of video if you're not going to be interesting, dynamic and are funny. You know, then look at other ways uh, of producing video where, you know, you might do demonstrations on video or you might share a bunch of imagery on video or record you know, um, interviews with other people. So, so you just have to be careful, you know, it's video is great, but boring video just doesn't work. So you need to make it interesting, entertaining, engaging, short and snappy, you, you know, that's what people want. But certainly from a social point of view, Facebook is, is, you know, giving more reach to video. Just take out your mobile phone and open up Facebook and scroll through it. You'll see most of that content is video content. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And Instagram obviously now pushing their live aspect. Uh, they're really kind of trying to take on Snapchat, I suppose. But we've now got Facebook lives. We've got Instagram lives. Live streaming seems to be pushing forward, not to forget Periscope, of course. Are there any of those platforms that you'll be really focusing on going into 2017? Yeah, more Facebook live. You know, it's a, it's very difficult to start producing live across multiple platforms. Now, hmm. I think there'll be more synchronization so you'll be able to, and I think recently now you can start doing Instagram live and then you'll be able to publish that on Facebook. So that'll make it a little bit easier. But you just, I just can't keep up with the platforms, uh, you know, as a business. Yeah. It's like you could spend all day, every day. So I'd say focus on one. I mean, Facebook, there's 1.7 billion people there. If your audience is there, you know, if you're not successful on Facebook, you won't be successful anywhere else. So I would say just pick one and really yeah. focus on it. That's really interesting. On Facebook itself, another question that we get from people is, you know, I've used I've used advertising. I've, I've run a campaign, but I haven't really gotten out of the results I expected. Um, I mean, if you what what tips would you give people looking to run Facebook campaigns to kind of expand expand their reach and maybe you know sell products, tickets, or anything like that that they might be focused on? Sure, I mean a lot of people will say, oh, run Facebook ads, you know, make loads of money on Facebook ads. R making money out of Facebook ads is extremely hard, you know, so it's not easy. 
So you have a couple of choices. One is you spend a significant amount of time coming up to speed on Facebook ads. You start off at a small budget. As you become more familiar with Facebook ads, you increase that budget. You optimize your ads. You optimize your imagery. You optimize your landing pages. You optimize your, you know, and beyond that, where you are selling different products after that. And when that's all optimized, then you start making money. So if you're, for example, a small business and you don't have the time to put into doing all this and you don't have the skills, well, then you'll lose money on Facebook ads. So then what you need to do is consider, can I find somebody with Facebook ad skills that will be able to do all this and give all the advice and, uh, you know, and become make make profitable ads? Yeah, I think that's key. It's always shown that this is something that's really easy. Just, you know, make the budget before and off you go. And in reality, it's very different. So it's, yeah, uh, I suppose, refreshing to kind of hear someone speak so honestly about it as opposed to kind of, like, well, it's not too bad, a little bit of optimization. Do you use any other platforms um, when it comes to advertising or promotion or paid promotion, really? Or would there be simply Facebook be as far as you go in? Yeah, I just focus on Facebook because, I mean, I've tried Twitter ads before and I've done a little bit of YouTube ads, but it's the same issue. I mean, I've done a, a lot on Facebook, so I, I'm quite good on Facebook ads. So that's enough just to keep up to speed with that without starting to learn all the different nuances for all the other advertising platforms. So if I'm doing other platforms, well, then I, I, I need to, you know, hire somebody in to do it. But at the moment... Facebook ads, I can access all the audience through Facebook. So I, I use the ads there. Excellent stuff. And I have um, another one for you, Ian, and it's more of an opinion piece for yourself. But I'm just yeah. wondering what your thoughts are. Is Twitter really on the way out? I've been kind of falling in and out of love with Twitter recently. Uh, we had a conversation here and I was saying to Paul, I'm actually just starting to get back into it. And Paul was kind of going, oh, I don't know. What's your thoughts? Is Twitter really on the way out or is it still a valuable marketing tool? It's still a valuable marketing tool with a significant amount of users, a lot of very engaged users, and it's still an excellent platform for outreach to find groups of people to interact with. So, I mean, where it's gone, maybe it won't grow as quickly as before. Maybe in the next year they'll get acquired, but it's still the next few years is still going to be an important platform. If it gets acquired, which is likely to happen, it, that's going to be somebody's going to start pumping money into it to try and build it. So mm. for the next few years, Twitter is going to be around. Maybe it won't grow as quickly as the other platforms, but if your audience is there and you can reach them on Twitter, it's still a super valuable platform. Fantastic. And I have another one um, around your own promotion strategy. Obviously, you've been the master of social promotion. When it comes to um, publicizing your own blog post that you put out, so your own content that you're producing, what does your schedule look like? As in, how often do you publish, say, an article on the day it goes live and follow-ups from there? Yeah, typically I'd, I'd publish about three times on the, you know, well, three times on Twitter, but only once on LinkedIn and Facebook on the first day. And then a couple of days later, I'm publishing it again on, on Twitter. Then a week later, I'll publish it on the, all the platforms again. And then I'll publish it in the queue every single month, you know, so on a regular basis, because... People forget about the content, you know, and most people don't see it. So if you've got a thousand followers on Twitter, if a hundred see it, well, that's that's a really good day, you know. So that's yeah, absolutely. Nine, 900 that don't, you, you know, so republish it again every month afterwards, as long as it's evergreen. So that means 
it's not going to go out of date, you know? So, yeah. And uh, I was just about to ask you about that. I mean, obviously we've spoke about you planning out your content, say for the next year, do you make a conscious decision that a certain amount of your content has to be evergreen or is it just whatever is right within the context of what you're speaking about? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, the, the big chunky content we do on a monthly basis, we make that's evergreen content. That's very relevant, but because we write a lot of tool stuff, just the nature of it, the tools change and adapt. Yeah. So it's not that evergreen. But what we would do is we would just go back in. Like I've done a post last week about uh, a tool that was called Social Bro is now called Audience. So we just went in, we reevaluated the tool, we updated uh, some imagery, updated the name and republished. So 30 minutes work and we republished that post again, like as a new post, it will get more shares, more links and everything. So, so that's just the nature of what we do. It's harder to do evergreen content. If I was a business consultant, I would expect that, you know, at least 75% of the content is going to be evergreen because, you know, the tools may be changing, but your tactics is probably going to remain, you know, there, you can reuse them tactics over and over again, you know? Mm. Yeah, no, and it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly one of those things. I mean, we had a, I had a, we had a post there a while ago that we were getting a lot of traffic from and it was to do with catch before people who were maybe uh, wanting to repurpose their Periscope live broadcasts and showing them oh, how yeah. to do that. And then catch went kaput and that was the end of that. It's kind of yeah. one of those funny things where, where the, the, the tools change, as you say, um, but it can have an effect on your content. So obviously keeping an eye on those folks is a, is a good way to go. I have one more question that I ask all of our guests before we let them go. But before I do that, Paul, any more? I could keep going, but no, I'll let you uh, ask that, that hard question, Ian. Prepare for it. Watch out. He's out to get oh, you. This, this is the one where you catch me out, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, no. It's the same question we ask all of our guests without fail, and it is very simply this, Ian. Can you give us one thing you have learned over your journey that you wish you knew when you started? Oh, that's an interesting one. Wish I knew when I started. Oh, the challenge woman. So, um... <laughs> you've caught I've put, me, you've I've put you on the out. spot now. Yeah, you've caught, you've caught me on the spot. One thing, let me think that I started. I mean, I suppose the in, importance of the influencers, maybe at the start, I didn't realize how important building relationships with influential people were. So, you know, when you don't have an audience or anything, that's one of the most important things. And you might focus on Twitter followers or Facebook fans in the short term, but that's not what it's about in the short term. In the short term is identifying the people that have the larger audiences that you can build relationships with and get in front of their audience. And that makes a dramatic difference to how quickly your 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 following goes. So don't focus on the, the fans and followers that will grow over time. Focus on the influencers. I absolutely love that. And it's something we advise all of our clients to do is to sit down and make a list of the top influencers within their niche and keep that spreadsheet up to date with all their websites, their social channels and everything else. And it's a great way um, to uh, kind of see who's doing what and get in front of them and build those relationships. So I really love that piece of advice. Cool. Cool. Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much again for coming on. And before we let you off the line, you might just tell our audience where they can get a hold of you on social media to say thanks so much for sharing your time with us today. Sure. And uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. Delighted to be on the show. Um, uh, if you go to razorsocial.com, 
that's where you find all my content and uh, or on Twitter at Ian Cleary, I-A-N-C-L-E-A-R-Y. So thank you very much for having me. Excellent stuff. We'll make sure to have links to all those in today's show notes. Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks. How to build and monetize your blog. This is Content Academy. Yes, so that was Ian Cleary. Paul, a great interview with a man who clearly knows the stuff. Yeah, it really was. Very candid, very honest, and gives everybody food for thought. And really, you should have a look at what you're actually doing because I bet there's a lot of people making mistakes that he mentioned throughout the podcast that could really get better results by just making small changes. Yeah, and there's definitely tweaks in there, even I know for us, that we can make. I mean, one of the things I did love uh, amongst all of that was revisiting your old blog content and seeing what's working and updating it to bring it up to speed if needs be. Yeah, uh, that's something which was was very interesting because I went and had a look at our stats after that and I found that there was, we have some content which is performing well, although it's out of date. You know, the information, the world has moved on. So even though maybe we're 12 months later and we're thinking, oh, that content's still performing, it's probably not really benefiting us too much. So a content audit is absolutely something which um, is easy not to do, but could be valuable to to actually take on and, and put a few hours aside to get it done yeah most certainly is and i mean in terms of the content side of things with ian he was talking about planning out his content for the year and that one epic blog post every month that he churns out and everything that goes into that i thought there was some great insight into how he does his keyword research the tools he uses and and how we can make sure that that's kind of his one big evergreen piece of content as he put it yeah and what i really liked was we spoke a bit about a lot of stuff has already been done and if you want to make a splash very very simple you know there was there, there was no fluff it was you need to create a piece of content which is better than what's already out there and perhaps create it on another platform or, or deliver it in a, another way and present the data a little bit differently as you said that is something which is is refreshing and it really kind of gives hope to everybody out there because essentially too often people think, well, that topic's already covered. It's already been done. But challenge yourself. Could you actually do it better? Because if you just do an average run-of-the-mill article on whatever it could could be, it's not really going to benefit anybody, not you, not people who read it. or you know. So that, that was something I thought was a simple nugget of information, but something that we should perhaps take on board a little bit more. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things that, when, again, we addressed it in the podcast and I was saying to Ian about, you know, you see some content out there that kind of, go, you know what, I would have loved to have done that myself or, or that's something I really want to speak about. And you kind of feel like, oh, well, it's already been done. Is there much point in me covering it? And as Ian rightly said, you know, of course you can do it. It's just you've got to try and do it a little bit better, maybe a different medium in terms of, but this time it's a video or a podcast instead of a blog post that you've saw. And you can do it that way. I really, really like that. And again, then we kind of moved on from there, Paul, and spoke to uh, to Ian about starting out and promoting your content. That obviously everyone's telling us, you know, we should be promoting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, and we should be everywhere promoting our content. But when you're starting out, I suppose no one, no one's following you. No one knows you exist. So while you are promoting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you've no followers. So it's just going out into the ether and never being seen again. And Ian's kind of philosophy on that is, well, you need to start reaching out to some influencers and you need to start trying to engage with them and hopefully get on their radar in the hope that they'll promote some content or, you know, you can do a roundup of the best, your best pieces or best tips or best advice within your niche and include bits from these influencers in the hope that they'll promote that also. 
Yeah, and there's no excuse for not being able to reach out to people. Twitter is a fantastic medium, as we spoke about during the podcast itself. But as so many people are now reachable, if you are creating valuable content and you do cite somebody and credit them within an article, there is every chance that they're going to reply to a tweet or they're going to share it. So don't be even put off if, if some names are, are too big. You'd be very surprised at the feedback that you'll, you'll get and some of the sharing that will actually happen. So um, that's something to absolutely build in and networking as well, which is kind of an extension of that. And if you think about it logically, social media is really just a way to talk to more people, except we're doing it online. So that really does, I suppose, move over into networking, although people kind of cringe sometimes when you say that word and say that you need to be doing more networking. And um, But having said, like, I mean, having said all that, if you can actually, you know, knit it together, create that great quality piece of content, pull in some information from some great influencers, reach out to them on social media and get it shared. It is a great way to go about getting um I suppose starting to build your own tribe if you have no followers. So I thought it was a great question, Phil, and I'm very pertinent to people starting out, even with a, a small tribe as a way that you can look to try grow things. Even taking that one step further, looking to actually do guest posts or provide content. And if you are doing that, you know, conventional wisdom is it should really be your best uh, content. That is also another thing which some influencers will take on board very, very happily. And we'll, we'll be delighted to have some great content on their site as well, which will then have a, a link back to your site, which will then help your audience get, get you know, grow, start to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, Without a doubt. It, it, and it really is when you don't have an audience, it's nearly kind of like a what, what I've heard referred to before as rent a crowd. And you're really looking to try and get in uh, in front of somebody else's audience, make them take notice of you. And it doesn't mean you just don't jump on Twitter and bang out a couple of tweets going, please share my stuff, please share my stuff. Try and engage in a conversation with them. Hang out where these people hang out. Join their conversations. Make comments. I mean, I've had some great conversations in recent weeks across an Instagram with a couple of pretty big names, um, some of which will be coming on the podcast in the near future as well. Um, and it just goes to show by being in that ecosystem, getting involved in the conversation, maybe not the first or second time that you, you kind of leave a comment or a tweet or even the fifth or sixth, but eventually over time, if you're seeing a someone who's engaging with their content and adding value where you can they're going to take notice and begin to kind of get curious as to who you are and how how you've been able to provide such valuable insight to them and their audience so definitely a great way of looking at it. yeah and i mean there was so much um within within that interview paul i mean we could hear all day wrapping it up but i thought the final point was very poignant for me when we asked about his one thing i know we kind of felt like we put him on the spot a little bit but his response was something we hadn't really heard before um, we do get a little bit of crossover with our guests, I suppose, in terms of their one thing. And a lot of people speak about patience and, you know, the hard if they wish they'd known how much hard work and time it was going to take. But for Ian, it was he, he kind of said he wished he understood the importance of building relationships with influencers, as we've already spoken about, and building relationships with people within his niche. Yeah, and that's something which is difficult to do because you've got to put yourself out there you've got to find these people you've got to reach out to them you've got to take them out for lunch or dinner and you know it's it is hard to do however that is very very powerful in the long run because if you make a good connection and if you actually you know connect on a personal as well as a business level you know you don't know what 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 that will bring in the future. I wouldn't even be you know thinking of something that would happen directly out of that. But all of a sudden, 
You know, let's say, um, uh, you know, Ian, for example, was dealing with a client who actually needed to get some, you know, content, you know, advice and content creation advice. And if we were, we've, you know, we've got that connection with him, you're in his mind. He may actually think, actually, you know, the guys at Content Academy could be worth picking up. Where there, there are so many countless different ways that could go off, and that that's kind of the reason too. And equally, if someone was to a client of ours wanted to actually get into the nuts and bolts of, you know. You know, let's say social media marketing tools, which is is really at the core of Ian's expertise. It's a case of you might actually refer them across to to Ian, and yeah. and that's kind of the beauty of it, being able to, you know, help someone. And and in the essence of it, that's where that that is really what great networking is about. Not so much, <laughs> you know, how can I what can I get out of this? How can how can I get how can I benefit? It's kind of more helping other people to benefit, and then that will that will come back then and be reciprocated. So. It is easy not to do that. It is so much easier to hide in a room and write a blog post and start tweeting about it and doing whatever else. Much more difficult to actually reach out, network and meet people. I think we'll wrap it up there, my friend. Um, A great show. Thanks again to Ian for coming on and speaking with us today. And don't forget, if you want to check out any of Ian's stuff, you can head over to RazorSocial.com. And for all of today's show notes, of course, you can get them at content.academy forward slash episode 59. That's episode 59 for today's show notes. You have been listening to the Content Academy podcast. If you would like to comment on any of today's show or subscribe to the series, find us at content.academy forward slash podcast.